Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. Our reading today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, and our preacher is Lourdes Olson. Thanks for listening. God bless you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This Friday evening, my wonderful spouse, Dan, and I took our youngest daughter, Dana, to see an organ recital at Dr. Arturo Rando Grillo Hall on the UNLV campus, affectionately known here in Las Vegas as Doc Rando Hall. And if you haven't been there to hear someone play on the beautiful Maureen Jackson Smith pipe organ, we highly recommend it. Check it out. Check out their recital series. It's really quite an experience to listen. You know, we have a lovely organ here and a wonderful organist. Um, This is electronic. There's nothing quite like pipe organs. And we have the pleasure of listening to organist Ken Cowan masterfully interpret a wide variety of complex compositions from the likes of Bach to Sen, and spanning the centuries in evoking the full range of human emotions. And of course, he did it all completely from memory. (laughs) No sheet music. And I can say that there were moments that I was transported to another time and place, carried away by my imagination, and sounds were transformed to images. And sometimes the music made me want to cry or laugh or even shout. And Mr. Cowan trained first under his father and then with other mentors as he worked toward his degrees and certificates. But that passionate reverence with which he introduced each piece during the recital was kind of contagious. And something, I think, that was more than the result of his training. Surely he was called to be a concert organist. The organ itself has an interesting history as well. I read on the UNLV website that that instrument took a four-year building process. It was made of 10,000 pieces, handmade in Hamburg, Germany, and shipped all the way to Las Vegas. It took an entire summer to install. It has three manuals, that means keyboards for the rest of us that don't play, 38 stops to control the air to the pipes, 
3,000 pipes arranged into 53 sets, and it's the largest pipe organ in the state of Nevada. And when it was installed, it took six whole weeks to tune the thing, because each pipe individually needs to be tuned, and then together in chorus. But for me, the most important tidbit, morsel of information about this organ is that it was made possible by a huge donation from the family of its namesake, Maureen Jackson Smith, who loved the organ. And this woman graduated from UNLV in 1995, magna cum laude, with a bachelor's degree in history at the age of 59. <laughs> Surely, Miss <laughs> Smith had a calling as a student of history and a lover of music, and her family honored that legacy and her calling very well. Today we meet King David before he was king, but David had something in common with these two people whose stories I've told you. He had a love of music. And to this day, we incorporate songs that David wrote in our worship. He left us a legacy of spirit-filled words reaching forward through the centuries and giving voice to just about every feeling that people can have about just about every situation. In today's lesson, we meet David not as king, and not even as gifted psalmist, but as a shepherd, a young boy with seven tall, strong, older brothers. And David, he is not only not the oldest, but he is the youngest of all of his father Jesse's sons. And he had no reason culturally to expect to be anything more than what he was. He was the one that got to tend the sheep. He was a boy among men. And by human standards, he was the last and the least. And the prophet Samuel comes to the family of Jesse. And he previously had selected a king a king that the people requested because they were no longer content to do things the way they had been done, to trust God to lead them through God's word and judges. And Samuel's choice of king had been based on appearances. King Saul was a tall, strong, good-looking guy. And God allowed it. But God gave a warning with that selection. God gave a warning to Samuel and the people about what having a king like the other nations was going to be like. And this warning had come to pass by this time. It had come to fruition. Saul's life was becoming a mess. Saul's inner self did not measure up to his outward stature. His heart was small. 
and couldn't embrace the fullness and wideness of God. His heart was too full of selfish ambition to do what God wanted. So God rejected Saul from being king and sends Samuel to anoint David. David wasn't impressive to look at, but there was something about him. He was just a shepherd. But I imagine that during his quiet days on the green hills and his watchful nights under countless stars with his father's sheep, David's sense of wonder must have filled his heart and overflowed into words and music. The spontaneous outpouring of emotion, of worship, aligned David's heart with the heart of God. It was the same reckless abandon that on one occasion later in his life would put David at odds with his wife, Michael, who could not see past the embarrassment of the king carrying on and throwing off his outer garments to dance and sing to God. That heart of worship started a long time before he became king. And it is this connection to the heart of God that continually distinguishes David from his predecessor, Saul. So that even when he grows up and begins to fail, as humans are wont to do, and believe me, David's failures were spectacular and numerous. But even in the midst of that, David's heart clings to God, as in the words of Psalm 51, where he pleads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. David one day would mess up really bad. You might have heard of a woman called Bathsheba, not to mention the troubles that David would have with his own children. But God looks on the heart. This is the word that God spoke to Samuel when he commanded him to anoint this young boy, David. God looks on the heart. God did not look at actions that were yet to come. David's future failures did not negate the call of God on his life. Though David was not exempt and would not be exempt from the consequences of those failures, they did not exclude him from God's plan of redemption for Israel, for all the nations, and for God's beautiful creation that David loved and sang about. For David not only becomes the king of his people in his time, but eventually becomes the royal ancestor to the king of kings, the one who brings the kingdom that has no end, Jesus the Messiah. Young David was not even on his own father's radar when the prophet asked to see his sons. 
but God saw him. God saw a heart that was passionate about God. God saw a heart that was overflowing with wonder and worship. And God chastised, chastised Samuel in verse 7 for trying to use that same criteria that he had used when he anointed Saul. And God says, For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The future was not yet known to David. David had no idea of the things that he would accomplish in the future, and he had no idea of the failures that he would have to face. God saw the heart that longed for God like a deer after water. God saw the heart that later calls God my shepherd as well as the Lord. David's heart knew that God is both vast and near. And God knows. God knew in that moment, as we may read in the book of Acts, I have found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my heart who will carry out all my wishes. When it comes down to it, David's calling was not counted by the sum of his successes and failures. They hadn't happened yet. And David's calling was not measured by a title or a position. He hadn't gotten there yet. David's calling was determined by the word of the Lord, by a heart that was passionately oriented toward God and by a drive to express that heart with everything that was within him. You know, I can relate to David myself. My older brothers have been over six feet tall since their teens. And I guess you could say I got shortchanged. I know what it's like to be the youngest and the smallest, but God saw me. And I share with David a love of music, a delight in God's word and in God's presence. And I have a drive to do whatever it is that I do with everything that is in me. Now I know we're not all called to be pastors, and I'm pretty sure none of us is going to be royalty on this earth. <laughs> but we all are called. Maybe today you are still young, like the organist I told you about when he began his studies under his father. Or maybe you're young, like David, on the day that he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. Or maybe you're older, older. 
like the woman who got her degree in history at the age of 59, or the person who graduated seminary at the age of 50. <laughs> so what I ask you today then is what is God calling you to? Well, unlike the prophet Samuel, I can't tell you specifically in what way you are going to live out your faith. And I am not here to confer a title on you or give you a position. But I do know this, that baptized into one faith, together we share the call to relationship with God, to relationship with one another and with the world. In the words of our affirmation of baptism, we are called to live among God's faithful people, hear the word of God, and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and strive for justice and peace in all the earth. You don't have to be a pastor or a king or anything like that to do this. This calling belongs to all of us. You are never too young and you are never too old and you are never too small for God to see your heart and to call your name. This relationship that David got a hold of is a relationship that is promised to us by God and it has been realized in Christ Jesus, and it is present with us by the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that came upon David at his anointing. And that same Spirit enables us today to live out God's call for our life and to help us to find ways that are as life-giving to us as they are to the people whom we serve. Today, may God examine our hearts and find God's own heart reflected there. Amen. Amen.